Welcome to On Texas Football live stream. Uh, joining me today uh, are Justin Wells of Inside Texas. Uh, he is a recruiting analyst and team reporter. Uh, and Ian Boyd, our X's and O's expert of InsideTexas.com. Uh, Thank you to both you guys for coming in today uh, and getting going. Uh, much appreciated. Uh, let's get started uh, by thanking our sponsor. Uh, we are now sponsored by Andy Ludicky of MyFranchise.net. Uh, are you looking to leave the corporate rat race? Or maybe you're looking to diversify your asset portfolio and increase personal cash flow and want more personal freedom? If so, you should give Andy Ludicky a call over at MyPerfectFranchise.net. Andy specializes in placing you with franchises that match your strengths and interests. Call or email Andy today. We appreciate his sponsorship of this show. Uh, it's allowing us to, to do more of these for you guys, uh, and hopefully uh, you enjoy them and we're able to get to more of your questions. Uh, I'm going to start with Ian today. Uh, Ian, my question for you, uh, really going into this ULM uh, matchup with Texas, are there any hidden facts or ideas or thoughts that you have that haven't necessarily been uh, looked into as much as you would think or should have been? Um, no, I mean, these off seasons are so long. <laughs> Nothing comes to mind. Um, did have some uh, video coming out later with, uh, with Tommy that we cover a lot of different aspects of the matchup. Uh, that will come out later today. But um, I think the, the big things are just, you know, how does ULM attack Quinn Ewers in the young offensive line? Then how does Texas respond to that? Are they very conservative? Do they just go spread and just try to fling the ball around? Or do they line up a bunch of big dudes and run power downhill on these little guys and then let Ewers take shots with eight guys protecting him? So um, that feels like the main, the main story here. Um, Maybe who does and doesn't play will be mildly interesting, probably holding a couple things and guys back for Alabama. This is almost a scrimmage, honestly. It's a, it's a scrimmage that counts. Yeah, my question there is, um, and, and I, I, I think that I would ask Justin this question. Um, Justin, it, it is a scrimmage that counts, uh, but what are the couple of things you're really looking for out of that scrimmage? I'm looking – on the offensive side of the ball, I want to see how long it takes Quinn Ewers to get acclimated to the college game. I mean, this is a kid that we've, we've covered almost five years. It's come full circle. And now that he's the starter, I want to see, you know, he hadn't played in a long time, guys. I, I want to see how quick he adapts to the game speed, because obviously this week will be drastically different next week. And so, from the offensive side, I kind of just want to see how comfortable he is. I'm sure Sark's going to tailor the, the game plan. He talked about Bill Walsh doing the 15-play scripts. And Sark said he's looking at a 20-game, you know, script to, to start the game. And so I'm curious to see how Quinn adapts and and how he uh, gets ready for the, the college game. Because, like I said, he, he hadn't played a lot of football in, in, in a while. On the defensive side, it's – I want to see any inclination of a pass rush. And I don't care how it's generated – Granted, from the three-man front, from the defensive line, stunts, things of that sort, bringing, uh, you know, Jalen Ford and, and DeMonte Tucker-Dorsey, uh, you know, on the field. That way, Overshone can slide down to the edge. I, I want to see a pass rush because I really do think that's going to be a big factor for this defense. You know, Ryan Watts is going to be great at press. 
because he's a big guy. I mean, there's only a few receivers in the Big 12 that are as big as that guy is. So I think rerouting a guy, not letting him get a release, getting that extra second or two to get to the quarterback, I think that's going to help. So there's so many little things that come off of just that pass rush. So for me, it's Quinn getting adapted to the college game. And and let's see what kind of pass rush Texas can put together uh, in week one. Justin. All right. Uh, we're going to be taking your questions here on this uh, version of Inside Texas and on Texas Football live stream. Um, before we do that, though, I want to ask Ian a couple of stats questions and see what you think of them. Um, what if I told you one of these two teams was the 62 rank, 62nd ranked rush defense and the other was the 114th ranked rush defense from a year ago? And which one do you think is which? Um. Uh, Texas had all those 200-yard games with uh, Arkansas, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, probably. So I, I imagine Texas had the worst numbers. Am I right? Oh yeah, <laughs> the, Texas. Texas gave up uh, just just so people understand 201 yards on the ground a year ago. Uh, by comparison, four and eight Louisiana Monroe gave up 153. Um, now, they played uh, good overall, defense in a couple games. ULM, what's that? ULM played good defense in a couple games last year. Yeah, Texas didn't in a couple. Yeah. <laughs> I think that that's safe to say. But but my point being is, as as Justin was talking about the defense and what he needs to see there, is I need to see a team that just plays better defense generally, right? More cohesive, more together. Uh, you know, helping one another helping one another, uh, just the whole nine yards, I think matters. Right. And I'm, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, what do I want to see as a, as a fan? And I want to see a Texas defense that everybody likes, right. That plays hard and plays together and plays smart. Uh, I think we know we're going to see some scintillating plays on offense. That's what Sark's all about. Uh, Justin, what do you want to see other than the pass rush overall for Texas? Overall, I want to see what these defensive players look like in year two under PK. I think first year there was some confusion. I think there were some guys trying to learn a new system, and some didn't get it as much as others. And so this is year two in this system, and I think PK's got a few more pieces that kind of fit what he wants to do. So I want, I'm with you. I want to see the cohesion on the defense. I mean, you're going to see them rallying to the ball. We talked about this this week. There's eight or nine guys on the Texas defense that are essentially playing for a for a for a chance at the NFL. They got something to prove. So you're going to see these guys rallying the ball, hustling things of that sort. But you know, stopping the run is number one in in, in all of in all of football in any level. And so, but from the defensive side, I want to see how they have adapted. I want to see how much they've learned from year one to year two. You know, PK they they didn't do well last year, guys. It, it was not a good defense whatsoever, and it automatically put some pressure on Sark to kind of, you know, re reevaluate what he was doing. And in the offseason, hiring Gary Patterson as a consultant, I think only, you know, ratcheted up that uh, that, that 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 scenario. And so I want to see these these guys adapt because this is a defense that can work. Ian has written about it tons about what PK did successfully up in Washington, basically turning regular edge guys into, you know, sack monsters. And I think that's possible with this group, but there everyone has to be on the same page. And there's too many veterans right now on that side of the ball. The offense has got a lot of new guys. 
it, it's got a lot of, uh, you know, new faces. But on the defense, it's it's really a lot of the same guys. Let's see if they make that jump from year one to year two. And let's see if it's not the system, if it's not PK, or if they just don't have the components to run that style. Uh, Ian, I want to go to you. First question coming in from InsideTexas.com, where uh, we all write and spend our days. When we're not uh, doing videos, we're we're actually on Inside Texas producing content uh, and talking with fans. Please join us over there. We still have a flash sale, uh, one dollar for uh, for four months uh, during football season. If uh, it's your first time signing up, we don't we don't uh, you know this is a one time chance for people. It's just a flash sale. Hey, Ian, the question I have for you is comes from. Uh, uh, Cruiser LD on Inside Texas. Uh, what are your position takes for underhyped position for the Longhorns and overhyped position for the Longhorns? In terms of quality, I'm guessing, like which guys are legitimately good and which guys are being tucked. Yeah, um, as a as a position group, though, not just the, like you couldn't just say Byron Murphy. They're, they're talking about they want to know the entire defensive line, offense line, et cetera. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if anyone is getting uh, overhyped. I think there's a lot of trepidation about most every position. Uh, probably maybe the linebackers, though. I think um... it's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. The linebacker is one position where people are really concerned. They really want to see it before they believe it. And um, I think we will see it. I think Jalen Ford showed a lot of things last year. We've heard about him all offseason, having a great, a great offseason, you know, learning the scheme where to be. Um Overshown can't help but be a lot better at linebacker with, uh, you know, year three at the position, a real offseason, a little more tailoring to his skill set. Tucker Dorsey is a legitimately solid linebacker that knows the position. Um, that's three guys that are probably better than anyone they had last year, right? Like counting improvement from returning players. So that's pretty substantial. Um, that really impacts your whole defense. So that We've probably maybe we've undersold that a little bit. You know, if, if your linebackers know where to be and they're consistently there, you're going to be a whole lot better than when they don't. You know, just watch Oklahoma State last night, replacing their linebackers. New guys don't always know where to be, and they give up 44 points to Central Michigan it, that fast. You can unravel. Um, and then overhyped, maybe cornerback. That's what I was thinking. I think Texas has a depth of a lot of really solid corners. I don't know if they have any one guy that's terrific. I don't know if they're getting credit for having any one guy that's really terrific, but um, that's a spot I would say. And uh, in particular, Jedi Barron, if he has a nagging injury with the ankle, I mean, maybe he'll show up tomorrow and be great. It's like, oh, he's fine. He, they put him on ice. Now he's great. But if he's out and it's uh, Jalen Gilbo and Michael Taff at nickel this season, I, I kind of want to see it. I think Gilbo looks good to me. He might be really good, but that's a complicated pr position for a freshman. And Taff, Taff can handle the complexity, but he's not a Gilbo Baron level athlete. So uh, let's, how's that? Yeah, no, I, I think that's good. What, what would you say you agreed with him, Justin, on uh, the corners being maybe 
overhyped. What about underhyped? Um, underhyped, I'm going to say tied in. I think that room's been made over, especially from a mental standpoint. Um, Eric wrote about it. I believe, you know, t- Texas is better across, wrote about it yesterday. Texas is better across the board on offense and defense, but how? And one of the things, the major, one of the big improvements was, was, was at that tight end room. That was a major improvement to me. Not only bringing in a Jalil Billingsley, uh, who's, a, who's got NFL potential, but Jatavian Sanders completely reworking his body, completely buying into the new system and, and, and coming with a, a whole new focus on, on starting, which he, which he has earned that job. Gunnar Helms, a guy that was, you know, I think he was a three-star out of Colorado. Wasn't a lot of hype to him. He was really solid last year in his first year. One of those guys we kind of found out that, hey, this, this is a program guy. This is a guy that's actually going to play and do well, especially when they want to run like 12 personnel. And then you've got you've got a little bench there with, with Juan Davis, who has incredible hands. He just is behind other guys. And so I, I think the most I think if you want to underhype one, it's, it's going to be the tight end room just because I think they're better. I, I think they've gotten better across the board. I think Sanders, it wasn't so much adding Billingsley as it was the other guys just getting more experience. Helm, Sanders, Davis, those guys. I think Jatavian Sanders and Sark said it best. He said, man, that, that guy probably has the best hands on the team. I mean, if you've ever seen his hands, they're like a catcher's mitt. I mean, they are big, hard, and raw. This dude just, he's got mitts on him. And so for me, the most underhyped, I think we could see a breakout year from Jatavian Sanders. So I'm going to go with tight ends. Interesting. Um, my two, I, I think I'd go different than you guys on both, although I like the linebacker pick uh, for underhyped. Too. I think that's an interesting one because I do feel like Tucker Dorsey and Ford are more prototypical linebackers that can find the football. My underhyped would be the running back room. I mean, look, they go multiple deep. I know, and they're they're supposed to be the best team, best group. I think they may be the best group in the country. That's my that's why I feel that way. Not only is Bijan an elite player, but Roshan Johnson's the team leader. I think Jonathan Brooks is just tough to tackle one-on-one. They've got some boutique guys that they can use in the passing game and Keelan Robinson, as well as Jaden Blue. Um, so I, I feel like that's underhype. My overhype is going to be a little bit different, and that's going to be the quarterback. Uh, Quinn Ewers is a five-star. I mean, everybody's expecting him to come out and look like, you know, the, the best thing since sliced bread. And I'm telling you, he's still a freshman. You know, it's been two years since he's thrown a meaningful pass. So uh, that's where I go with that. And, you know, we'll see if I'm right or wrong. This is all conjecture. The good thing is tomorrow at seven o'clock, we get to find out the reality of it. Right, guys? I mean, that's that's really what it is. Um, Question for you, Justin. And this is just a a good one from uh, Sam 55. How many different players do you think we'll see at the edge position this weekend? Ooh, that is a good that is a good question. Obviously, you'll see Ovi. Baron Sorrell, probably some Justice Finkley. And then obviously when Overshone, I guess Ian could tell you when they go to the nickel or they go to dime, that's when he can come down and do that. Um, that, that that's a good question because I, I think it's going to be more of a rotational thing early until they find out who can really bend that edge, who can really get past that, that tackle and past that first level and get to the quarterback. And so edge position is going to be something I'm watching on Saturday because they, they need a guy, you know, they need Ovi to be a really good senior. And th- if this guy got, you know, he got bigger over the offseason. We saw him at 
Looks like we um, may have lost Justin there for a minute. Um, uh, Justin, you're back now, I think. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. I, Derek Harris, uh, Prince Dorba could play some out there. I mean, there's just no telling. It, I, I think it all depends, right, what the score is. You know, if, if Texas is laid it on, you, there's just no telling uh, how many people we could uh, watch happen. Ethan Burke, obviously. Um, Ian, I want to ask you another question. Uh, and this is something that I think is is up your alley because you talked about maybe how many touchdowns or how many yards passing Quinn Ewers could have. What do you think his real stats will look like at the end of the day this weekend? Well, just this game? Yes. Um, they probably want something kind of like um, – so like Kate – I'm going to butcher this name. Kadon Slovis of Pitt last night threw 24 passes, uh, but he can. they went for like 312 yards because it was mostly play action. Um, you know, there's run, 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 and then throw it over the top. I imagine that what Texas wants to do in this game, you know, unless depending what, how much respect Sark has for this opponent, I would think that they would go very conservative, run the ball 40 times, throw the ball with Quinn 20 times, but a lot of them are deep shots. And then you connect on like 12 to 15 of those and you're at, like 250 yards, couple touchdowns. That'd be my guess. Now, if he if he really doesn't think much of ULM and he's like, you know what, we're gonna get Quinn some, uh, we're gonna spread it out and give Quinn some real live reps, just throwing the ball around, then it's gonna be different. But I I doubt that that's their approach. Hey, this is a good question for you, uh, Ian. Um, if a blow if it's a blowout or a close to a blowout, do you take out Quinn? How long? When do you take him out? When do you pull him? Uh, Sark and his presser on uh, Thursday said there is no plan to play Hudson Card right now. It's going to be dictated by the game. Somebody asked him also about, um, you know, do you want to leave in Quinn for extra reps? And, and Sark kind of gave a, a knowing nod. I, I suspect that they will leave Quinn yours in longer, maybe than Texas fans would even like. You know, he might hit a couple bombs, and Texas fans are like, great, get him out. He's, his feet are wet. Get him out. Don't let him get hit. But I bet Sark would rather keep him in a little longer, you know, and just see uh, what kind of different looks he can get, what kind of different things you can practice and rep. Just from the base, you know, they're not showing anything to Alabama. They're just going to be running stuff they've run before. But I think they'd love to get Ewers as many live looks as they can in even the basic level stuff. So uh, I, I'm guessing that he'll he'll stay in pretty long and then, We'll see what kind of leash they have in the fourth quarter for for him, for Card, and maybe for Malik Murphy. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. You're joining the uh, live live stream uh, with On Texas Football and Inside Texas analyst Ian Boyd and Justin Wells. Justin, uh, going to ask you this one. Uh, how much run do you think Gabe Sulser gets tomorrow? This is a, this is a name that's kind of come up late in camp. Uh, he is a transfer, fifth-year transfer, grad transfer from Montana, 
Did not have a lot of catches, I think 34 catches, but he was often injured at Montana in his career. Um, but, you know, he's starting to see some run with the twos and the threes. Uh, and Texas, uh, you know, likes to throw the football. He's been a, apparently he's moving ahead of or in conjunction with Sabian Red at this point uh, to get some early reps. Solcer gives me a, a Kai Money vibe. And I know he's a, he's definitely a Texas fan with Kai Money. Um, Solcer could be a guy, you know what? He could be a Ryan Nunes. He could be a guy that you line up in the slot that nobody pays attention to, and he winds up burning you because he finds a mismatch, which Sark is known for. And Solcer's got some shake to him. We, we saw him in that open practice a couple weeks ago, Bobby. And this is a guy, he's kind of shifty. He, he, he's a solid football player. If anything, he's got more speed and athleticism than, than money had. And so, you know, Texas is, you know, they're, they're always going to find those under the rock guys. And, and if it's in the Montana area, you know, Jeff Choate has to have some stroke and some say about it. And so if he's buying off on it, I think it's good because the writers, you know, when they lost Isaiah Nayor, and I'm not saying Solcer's anything compared to that, but when they lost Nayor, the room needed kind of another jolt. They needed another guy to step up. Tariq Milton has kind of done that a little bit, has stepped up. Casey Kane has definitely stepped up over the last few weeks. And Solcer's a guy that I think once you get into the second half of this game on Saturday and Texas is doing well on offense, you're going to see more of him. I think that's a guy you, you, you'll see quite a bit of, especially if, you know, if Jordan Whittington has a good first half or Tariq Milton does a couple things early. But Solzer gives me a Kai Money vibe. He, he he could be a fan favorite because, you know, he's, he's one of those guys, Not a, there's not a lot of expectation attached to him. But if you don't cover him, he can burn you. You know, oh, you were, oh, you got it really bad in 1999 when, with Ryan Nunes. They just did not pay attention to him after a 14-0 lead in the first quarter. And, and Major and him made a lot of connections and, and made a lot of friends in Austin after that day. And so if he can have that kind of injection there, kind of surprise people, get him in the slot, get him on a mismatch and, and find him, I think that's kind of Solcer's uh, – um, I think that's what his – what his availability is. Yeah, I, I think hey, here's the issue, Justin. And I think I agree with you, first of all. Um, he's different than money, and that money was a guy that found soft spots and zones. Solcer can can ride out a little bit. He actually has some real legit speed. Yeah. Um, and so we'll we'll see. I mean, he's he's tiny, he's small now. There's uh, only one ball to go around, Bobby. And you I gotta, know you gotta think of Xavier, Jordan, Tariq, Savion. I mean. Brennan Thompson. Brennan yeah, Thompson. Gave, Brennan's the one that I think we should be. I mean, Brennan's the one I think is going to break break out in the second half. Get behind it. Get behind a nickel and just be gone. Yeah, I, I think that they want that. They need to put that on tape for the <laughs> Alabama game. In my opinion. Um, hey, uh, got a question here from the Inside Texas uh, message board. How do we think Coach Choice and Coach Marion help improve the team with their first game here tomorrow? Um, you know, I don't know that these guys are uh, necessarily going to equate to wins and losses in, a, in that kind of way. Um, it, it's, it's a little, I mean, it's not like Stan Drayton was a bad receivers coach. It's not like Andre Coleman was a bad receivers coach, but neither one of those guys were necessarily always great recruiters. Right. And so part of this is the Jimmy's and Joe's not the X's and O's. And so bringing in the right guys matters. Uh, and speaking of that, I think a good segue to this is the news that Jerry Hamilton put out this morning that Texas commitment in the nation's number one running back, Cedric Baxter, 
apparently is taking an unofficial visit over, or maybe official, I'm not sure, over to Florida this weekend. So uh, keep that in mind for those people that follow recruiting. Those guys can have material impact. At the same time, I do think that they have some attention to detail uh, that that may help Texas. Uh, I know that a lot of this offseason, Choice has been working on two things with B. John Robinson. One is pass protection. It's been his biggest thing. Keep keep your quarterback clean. Two are downfield cuts. Bajan is great at making people miss in short spaces near the line of scrimmage. Has not done that as much once he gets into the secondary. That's what they've been trying to work on. I think I hear they're doing like t- after 10 to 12 yards, they're making Bijan cut a little bit more. Who knows if that'll actually pay dividends, but the pass protection is very real. With the uh, receivers, hopefully, uh, you know, what I understand is Brennan Marion runs a lot more drills that are off-schedule drills, comeback drills. Uh, whenever the, the pocket breaks down, breaking off your route, trying to get back to help a little bit more. We'll see. Bobby, we'll see if that, that makes a makes a difference. Bobby, let's revisit the Brennan Marion thing though after the Alabama game, huh? Because they've been pretty coy about go go and uh, and whatnot. Um, let's just let's just see if there's they have any wrinkles later on. Yeah, I think I think that's totally fair, Ian. Um, Justin, uh, mentioning recruiting, anything you're what are you, where are you going this weekend for games, bud? Uh, tonight, I'm going to head to uh, Longview, back to Longview for their, their battle with rival Marshall. I believe it's the 110th time they've played. It's one of the oldest games in the United States. Uh, and Marshall's actually pretty good this year. They beat Tyler High last week, which was very much a surprise because Tyler High has four or five D1 prospects, young prospects right now. So Marshall came out swinging. Um, Got to check on Jalen Hell. You know, Mr. Hell is – He's, he's getting closer and closer to his decision. This September 21st, it's going to be here before you know it. And um, I'm actually going to hang out with his father a little bit this afternoon and, and just catch up with the family and just touch base with those guys. Uh, I've been real fortunate to get close to Jalen over the last few years. And, and like I said before, you know, it took three wide receiver coaches to finally get through to Jalen Hell. And I think Texas remains in a fantastic position. He's leaving after the Longview game. He's headed to Tuscaloosa for an official visit to Alabama. And we reported earlier th- this morning in, in, the, in the, the humidor, Texas A&M is still pushing for an official. And Jalen tells me he's open to it. He, he, ha- he, he has no problem taking an official year there yet, but he hadn't scheduled it. It still hasn't been scheduled. So I'm going to do a little bit more digging on that tonight to kind of see just how far and how close they are with, with those guys. But, um, yeah, one of the top uncommitted prospects in the entire country uh, Texas is squarely in the mix. And and I know one thing, I'd like to get a little bit more info from Jalen, a little bit more from his family, a little bit more from sources. And I'm going to get some good video because when I was in New Orleans last week, I missed the Jalen Hell show at McKinney. Boy, I mean, that guy went for five catches, 124 yards and two touchdowns in a quarter and a half. And I think it's funny that the one holdup on Hell and his evaluation was, well, he's not that fast. You know, we've heard that from people at Inside Texas. Well, he can't really separate. He can't. Guys, that's a bunch of bull. This is a football player. He's an athlete, and he's got that East Texas dog to him. So I'm not going to underestimate this gentleman by any means. Brendan Marion isn't. Steve Sarkeesian isn't. Arch Manning, Jonte Cook, they still call him on the regular basis. I'm going to see Jalen Hale and get the latest, and I'll have an update on Inside Texas later tonight. Uh, talking uh, with Justin Wells and Ian Boyd of InsideTexas.com. Please visit us at InsideTexas.com. 
Uh, also, I want to uh, give a shout out to our sponsor. Uh, really uh, uh, happy to uh, have him in. It helps us create more programming. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Uh, our latest sponsor is Andy Ludicky of MyPerfectFranchise.net. Are you looking to leave the corporate rat race? Or maybe you're looking to diversify your asset portfolio and increase personal cash flow and want more personal freedom. If so, you should give Andy Ludicky over at MyPerfectFranchise.net a call. Andy specializes in placing you with franchise franchises that match your strengths and interests. Call or email Andy today. By the way, I went to college at Texas with Andy's older sister. She was our RA one year. So there's a lot of a lot of tie in there. I, I, I think I met him once when we were she, he was getting walked into the hallway uh, up the elevator at Dobie Dorm uh, there on campus. Um, hey, question for you, Ian, I want, I want to go into now. This is something for you to consider or think about. Um, McCoy 12 on Inside Texas is asking who's going to lead the team in sacks this year. Got And, and I, I'm going to add to that a little bit. Give me the over-under number of what you think those number of sacks from the sack leader will be. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I probably over under five and a half, I'll say. It kind of seems like right now they look like a team that could, um, if, if things go according to what appears to be their plan, they might have like uh, several guys with like four to five, four, three to six. Um, I think they're going to be blitzing quite a bit, not really aggressively. We could talk about that later maybe. But uh, bringing linebackers, maybe bringing a defensive back pretty pretty often. And um, I would have liked to have said Alfred Collins, but I, I don't know. We're just not really, you know, we're not hearing that that's going to happen in a big way. Maybe he breaks out when the, when the lights are on, even if he did as a defensive tackle, he'd be leading the charge probably with like five and a half, six sacks. So over under five and a half. And um, I'm going to pick over to carry the day because he is a, uh, seems to be involved in the blitz package pretty often. And then also potentially as a third down straight edge guy um, in that kind of role, you can end up with a lot of sacks, even if you're uh, not a routine edge rusher. So uh, that, that'd be, those would be my guesses right now. Hit me up again in, you know, three weeks after we actually see this team play. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to give my answer. And then I want to ask Justin the same question. I'm going with eight. And I'm going with Ovi Agufu. I think that the change in the defense actually frees him up a little bit more too. Uh, they're going to do, I think they're going to do, uh, he's going to be able to be aggressive uh, in, in that situation. And I feel like, I don't know, I feel like it may be just his year. Uh, they've done a lot of uh, a lot of things in that regard to, to help him get better. He's a senior, should have a real good game. Uh, Justin, what about you? Where do, where do you go? 
I, I'm in between both of you guys. Um, I feel like it's probably going to be about six. I agree with Ian. I think it's going to be spread out a little bit more. But I could see Ovi actually winning it because I feel like Overshone's going to push people to his side. I feel like that's going to he's going to kind of be the beneficiary of, of good teammates. Uh, anything that uh, that Overshone and those guys generate, I feel like it's going to be pushed to Ovi's side. So he's just going to have more opportunities. But eight sacks, dang, Bobby, that's a lot. <laughs> Especially I'm, I'm, when there's nobody on the team that that's really known for that. But I, I, I like Ovi just because I feel like because of the, the way the defense is, is built, people are going to a lot of that pressure is going to be pushed to Ovi's side. So he's just going to have more opportunities. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. I, and I think that's part of it. I also think the play of Diamante Tucker Dorsey and um, Jalen Ford could matter in that. It gives him a little bit more freedom not to be so tied up in the run game, right? Um, thanks to Jesse Wyatt for that donation. That was nice of you guys. Uh, we try to try to get things done here. Um, I had a question for you, uh, Ian, as it relates to the team and what they're trying to do this year. Um, you know, at what point uh, do you see this as a successful season for the defense? Do they need to be ranked <clears throat> in the top 60 in scoring defense? What are the what are the kind of the stats you really look for that you say, hey, Texas has improved dramatically in year two? Ooh. There's uh, so many ways to evaluate it based on team strategy, right? Like, I, I honestly like simple points per game, but that there's a sliding scale for your tempo and how many plays you're facing. Um, but in general, I think Pete Kwiatkowski's, you know, 20 points per game. If you're only giving up 20 points per game in the Big 12 this year, you're doing, you're playing great defense. Um, maybe for this season, for this team, like uh, 23, 24 points a game would be like a, a acceptable benchmark. Top 40 in FEI, which is an adjusted stats-based defense. If you're, I mean, last year I think they were like 100th or something god-awful in total defense. But those total defense numbers are not, you know, they were bad. They were not a good defense statistically, but they were not the 100th worst defense in, you know, college football, right? If they've been playing. It, I, the, I, I, wait a minute. No, it felt that way. It did feel that way. But if they were playing in the Sun Belt, you know, if they were playing in the in the MAC or whatever, they would have had better numbers. Um, I think top forty by adjusted statistics usually is indic indicative of like a top half, top quartile even Big Twelve defense. I think they want to be in the the top half of the Big Twelve on defense. They want to be giving up a respectable number of points, and. Uh, they should definitely look to be in the plus side on turnovers is something I would look at. If you're going to play tighter quarters coverage is your main deal and mix in some man, you're going to be bringing in some alternating four man zone pressures. You want an outcome of that to be balls slipping through and ending up in the hands of safeties. So um, yeah, turnovers would be the other, the other benchmark. You should, you uh, should be good there. Justin, what do you think, bud? Third down stops. I felt like last year we could Texas could not get off the field on third down. And you know how those that's how other teams sustain long drives and, and really drain your energy and, and your enthusiasm is by not getting off the field on third downs. What I could see happening is Texas actually doing well in that category, the offense scoring, and by the second half, they're going to see a bunch of yards on the defensive side because the team's going to have to pass to come back. 
And so then it kind of changes your, 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 your dimension a little bit. But third down stops. I, I remember, I believe it was 2014, Charlie's first defense, which was really good. Uh, Mac had left a ton of really good players. Um, they were That was their one thing. Like, they were so good on defense that year, but they couldn't get third down stops. It felt like each series there was one third down where there would be a busted play or a missed assignment or a missed tackle. And it just – when the offense couldn't do anything to help, it just put that much pressure on the defense to do that. With this team, they don't have that sort of pressure. They know the offense is going to chunk it and, and, and get points on the board. And so get off the field on third down. It, the more you do that, the fresher your guys are in the second half and the more confident those guys are when there's a lead on the scoreboard and they can pin their ears back. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. Um, I think that the third down stops kills momentum. I mean, third and 12, you got to get off the field. Amen. Period. I mean, and that, you know, they do. But Texas finished 99th in the country last year in third down defense. There's no no reason for that. Um, you know, and so I, I feel like that's that's a big piece of it. Um, I, I got a fun question here. Uh, Texas is favored by 37 and a half, I think. 38. Do they cover? Justin, you go for it. Do they cover 38? You know, I think I bursted Joe's bubble yesterday when he told Look me. Ian, wait covered. a minute, time out. Ian, Ian literally had to stretch his neck to think about this one. Go, go for hey, it. Hey, the only reason I'm doing this because I've been thinking about it for a couple of days after reading Paul's and and and, and Joe's uh, gambling posts at InsideTexas.com. Please make sure and check it out. Uh, four months for a dollar. I, I really do feel like that's kind of going to be that. That's going to be. I, I don't see Texas covering. I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be a 35-point win, a 36-point win. But let's not forget, this is a new – these are new offensive guys. There's a lot of new guys on this offense. And we think they're going to adapt pretty quickly, but maybe not week one. That's a big mark. And you know what else, Bobby? That's me. If you if they cover 37-and-a-half, they're hitting their field goals. I don't know if that's going to happen. We If you want to talk about a question mark going into the season – Who's going to make flipping field goals? And so to me, I just don't think they cover this week. I really don't. Yeah. Everybody else give us your scores too, and we'll post them up here as well. Ian, what do you think? Do you think they cover? After some hard thought, <laughs> I think they will cover, and I'll tell you why. Um, to get – if they're scoring like 45 or more, it's going to come down to defense. I don't know that ULM is super explosive on offense. I could see Texas kind of bottling them up and forcing drives. And um, I think maybe the clincher is that Texas's backups on offense are explosive. So, like, when you get to, like, late third quarter and you got Hudson Card coming in there and he's like, oh, no, don't name me the starter, huh? Where's Brennan Thompson? Keelan Robinson's in there and he's like, hey, NFL, check this out. Yeah. You know? They, they, the guys that are coming in late in the game are game breakers. So, uh I, I think that they could I think that I think it'll be close, but I think they could they could squeak it out with a couple late with a late cover basically. Interesting. I, I'm uh I'm gonna side with Justin here. I think it's the first uh the first start for Quinn Ewers, and there's gonna be some hiccups on offense. They're starting two freshman offensive linemen. Um at the same time, I actually don't think ULM will score as much. And I, and I also believe this, that, uh, you know, even though you did say that, that uh, ULM doesn't have much firepower, they do have Boogie Knight, right? 
So that we got to we got to watch out for him. Uh, but I think that what I would say uh, to you guys is this: I feel like the offense is going to take some time to get going. Uh, young young faces in key positions, uh, but I expect the defense to corral them. Uh, to your point, Ian, and I think that as much as anything is is something to to watch for. Um, you know, as we go forward and, and look at all this this year, uh, I want to ask another prediction, and that's uh, your final season prediction. Uh, and talk about that and see what you said, Justin. I'm going to go to you and make you because I know what you wrote today on for Inside Texas and, and what's coming. I want to see if this is a you're going to own it right here, right now. Well, no, I'm not going to own it. Um, I didn't. I, I teased Jerry this morning that I was going to wake up choosing chaos uh, just just so we could get our blood boiling on a Friday morning. We've already got some good content up, you know, just to get the staff riled up. I, I, I full disclosure, I teased the staff earlier that I was going to predict six and six. Uh, but honestly, I, I'm looking at seven and five, eight and four. I'm somewhere in between there. And I think a lot of it has to do with the Big 12, just how good some of these teams get from the beginning of the season to the end. I mean, I think Baylor will be a better team at the end than they are at the beginning. Texas gets them late. I think Kansas State's going to be better at the end than they are at the beginning. Texas has to go on the road there late. So I'm, I'm going to go with seven and five just because I, until I see something different, until I see the team, you know, scoring on a regular basis, until I see this defense stopping the run and getting, uh, you know, getting pressure on the quarterback, um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to believe it when I see it kind of guy. So I'm going to go with seven and five and, 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 and lay back on that six and six. There's no reason to, to, to get too crazy on a, the day before the game. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, Ian, got to ask you this question now. What do you think the record will be this year? Yeah, I want to come in and dunk on Justin here. Um, I'm going to go nine and three. I'm going to I'm going to go against what Justin just said about the Big Twelve. I think the Big Twelve gets worse as the season goes on. Is that because of depth? Because of depth, you got all these teams like, um, you know, JT Daniels totally changes the complexion for West Virginia. If anyone watched the game last night, his numbers weren't good, but. If it had been Jared Dagey there, whew, that would have been ugly. Um, but he took a lot of hits, too. You know, that guy goes down. West Virginia, Baylor's playing all these uh, new skill players that are not used to holding up over the course of the season, underclassmen receivers. A couple of those guys get dinged up. Um, you know, guys lose some depth. Texas has a chance, you know. Their line is going to get better over the course of the year. They got all these running backs. They have a chance to just go on a run and just uh, trample the Big 12 just with the run game late in the season. You know, get Gunnar Helm and uh, Kelvin Banks, maybe Cameron Williams, lining people up for Sean Johnson. Uh, he's just in his right that the Big 12 is deep. There's a lot of potential for unexpected losses. Um, probably 8-4 and four is the safest bet. I'm going 9-3. and three. I'm just going to go a little more optimistic. 
could probably go nine to ten if they didn't play this Alabama team, you know, in week two. It's like almost yeah. almost a guaranteed loss. It kind of hurts their overall record, but yeah, that's me. I still think they have a chance to make it to the Big Twelve Championship game and and hoist the trophy. Yeah, that's that's great. I I I just go back to the fact that they they found ways to lose last year, <laughs> right? And making that change year over year is a big fundamental change. Uh, and so uh, I I'm I I uh, put in a prediction for seven and five, uh, but I I could easily see nine wins. Uh, I don't I think the the floor would be six. I don't I, th- I don't think you're going to see a five win team Texas team any by any chance this year. So they're going to show improvement. The question is how much. And I think that uh, like Eric Nalin. Uh, the publisher at Inside Texas likes to say, this is expected to be the year before the year. Uh, next year, Texas will have four returners on the offensive line at starting, right? They'll have uh, they'll still have a good running back. They'll still have good wide receivers. Um, they'll be more, they'll have more guys on defense that can play. Um, and so I feel like as we go forward, I think that we got to remember that they're not supposed to be a 10-win team this year. They may be but they're not supposed to be. And so let, let's keep with that. Some fun stuff I want to do now, uh, bring up this question. And I like to get, this is who I like to, to ask. I like Justin to go off because he's going to have some kind of interesting answer for me. Who catches the first TD from Quinn Ewers? Bijan Robinson. Uh. <laughs> I mean, it. yeah. yeah. Bijan even, I think Bijan even knows it's coming. He told him, look, when you get in trouble, just check it down. And I guarantee you when they get to the huddle and they see what the defense is getting, Bijan's going to kind of whisper, hey, here I am. You're going to catch him a little bit on the flat. Bijan's going to make a couple dudes miss. 20-yard touchdown pass. Bijan Robinson. What do you got, Ian? Legend begins. <laughs> I think that I think that's a really good answer. That's why I groaned. Um, <laughs> I, I guess the other one would be um, they maybe they motion worthy early in the game, they look like they're setting up worthy, but then really they're just isolating like Whittington or Milton or somebody backside. And then yours hits him on a bomb to the second or third best guy in ULM's defense. Um, I'll, I'll pick, I'll pick Milton. I'll pick Milton. All right. I'm going with uh, Jordan Whittington on a little shovel pass type action. You know, oh, the flip pass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause he's good. He's really good as a runner in the red zone, in my opinion. Uh, now, hopefully he doesn't get injured because that's one way he got injured last year, right? Or uh, one of the, uh, at one point, not the, not the shoulder one that he got from against Oklahoma state. But uh, I think that I can see them using him uh, in that capacity in the red zone to some effect. Um, guys, uh, where are we at right now on uh, Texas and it's uh, thought process or your thought process on, the team as a whole uh, from back in the spring, after you saw them in the spring, what you've learned about them this summer. Um, I talked with Paul Wadlington earlier this week about what I called the arc of the program. Uh, and that includes not only recruiting, but also what we've seen this off season. Uh, Ian, your, your thoughts on really the arc of the program at this point. I think it's pretty positive. Um, the recruiting is obviously going very well. They know what they're trying to do there. They got that's the one of the best early classes I've seen from a, a Texas head coach. Um, 
they've got, you know, Arch Manning in their back pocket. They got a chance for really at this point, they could make sort of more incremental growth this season, win seven, eight games and be maintaining their positive trajectory heading into the SEC. So that's a, that's a win. The big one is defense, right? Um, they need to show that they have defense solved that so they're not going to waste. Like, um, like say that if the offense goes really well this year, it shows a lot of promise. Then the question is going to be how good can they be next year with Worthy and Nayor and, who, and Quinn Ewers with some experience. You don't want the defense to be the hangup. You want to see signs this year that the defense is, is figured out and on the right track. And uh, I actually I feel like there have been a lot of encouraging signs that they are getting a lot better on defense. We got to actually see it. If we if we do see it in the defense, like maybe even carries them to a couple wins this year, they wouldn't have without a solid defense. I would say the arc is is tremendous. Um, if they have a lot of growing pains and then the defense hangs them out to dry a couple times, then you'll say, you know, this guy's not falling, but there's a, a lot of things that still need to be figured out for this to to really get going. Like it like it could based on recruiting momentum. Justin, what do you think about the arc of the program overall? Ian nailed it on the on the field part of it. I, I think that arc is is definitely positive, uh, but I, I, there's nothing I can add that Ian didn't nail on the on the field part. From the off the field part, you know how you know we we, we look at the insider stuff at Inside Texas. To me, you know, if you talk to enough people, it's a different culture, guys. And it's not something we've spouted a bunch. This is something that's real. When you change out a third of your roster over one offseason and you get out the malcontents that were there your first year and you bring in guys that, that you know, like, like we posted this morning in the humidor of the team section, there are guys on that offense that have no idea what five and seven feels like. They don't know. And they don't want to know. And that's the mindset now. It, it's so much going past that. Off the field, these guys are, are closer. You know, uh, you know, Kyle Flood loves playing those offensive linemen, those freshmen together when he can because he knows the longer they play together, the better your offensive line is in the junior and senior years when those guys have had all that experience working together. Uh, off the field is huge. These guys are friends with each other. They hang out with each other. They, they take care of each other. That's the difference in seven wins and nine or ten wins, in my opinion. It's obviously little bitty details on the field. That that always matters. But when you're playing for the guy next to you, and it sounds so corny and cheesy sometimes, but trust me, if you've ever been on a team and played at a high level, you understand it. When you're when you're playing for the guy beside you, there's a, there's a little extra enthusiasm there. There's a little extra incentive. There's a little extra bite to you. And I think you know, Ian, he killed it. That's exactly what they're looking like on the field and off the field. I don't think we could. They could have had a better spring. I, I don't – we could not have written a better scenario than Quinn Ewers coming in, Ryan Watts taking that position, Tucker being a, an instrumental part in that linebacker room, the freshman acclimating really quickly to the offensive line. From from the offseason standpoint, I don't think Sark could have done any better. And you mentioned it earlier, bringing Tashard Choice and Brennan Marion, how that would affect on the field. We didn't even talk about their effect off the field. They, they're building relationships and trust with these running backs and these receivers, not to mention recruiting their tail off in the last class, this class, and then the next class. And so I think off the field stuff, Ian nailed it on the field. And I think off the field, it's, it's, it's the same. The arc is very positive because Sark is getting his guys. And in any successful program, you know, ask Nick Saban, 
when he lost in his first year at Alabama to ULM, this Louisiana Monroe team that's coming to Austin, you need your guys. And I think Sark is getting some of those guys. And the fact that he got rid of a handful of malcontents that really didn't help the locker room last year, guys, that's the difference in six or seven wins and nine or ten wins, in my opinion. That matters as much off the field as it does on. Mr. Sorrell came in there and said, Barron's going to have two sacks against ULM. <laughs> Mr. Yeah. Sorrell's probably right. Listen, Barron is a Barron has put in an incredible offseason, Bobby. This is a guy that's reaching, he's transformed his body. He looks fantastic. And I, I, I think big things are coming over the next few years for Mr. Sorrell. Well, I go back to one thing that uh, when it comes to Barron Sorrell, I go back to one thing that Mora Ojomo said this spring when he's talking about it and he was having the candid conversation. <laughs> he really just, he said that Barron Sorrell is one of those guys that goes about as the goes about his business the way you're supposed to and not not getting distracted by Austin or all the the you know creature comforts of what it means to be a college football player but he's busy getting trying to get better so I think that means it means a lot uh, my my comment on this is follows a little bit as, as it relates to the arc of the program follows a little bit with what both of you guys said not only do I like the incoming talent and some of the talent already, on campus, uh, but I got a chance to interview uh, all of the offensive linemen briefly for Horns with Heart, uh, the 501c3 donation uh, that the Pancake Factory. And I talked to all of those guys. They're going to be interviews up next week, not on uh, on Texas on Texas football, but on those guys' individual Twitter and social media uh, pages. And I got a chance to talk to all those guys. They're friends. I mean, they're they're a tight bunch. I was uh, impressed by that. I've certainly been and talked to players on teams that weren't. Um, yeah. But uh, a guy like Junior Angelau, uh is out there coaching. Uh, he's out there talking to him. They're still in contact every day. Junior's out for the season. Um, but he's out there coaching. Uh, the, the young offensive linemen are um, literally each other's best friends. And they stay tight. They go to the volleyball game together. They go, uh, you know, go hang out together over the weekend. I mean, I think that kind of team camaraderie is going to pay off and it's less likely that you see a, a come apart like we saw last year, particularly on defense or in the second half on offense. Uh, if you have a togetherness off the field. Um, I, let's go a couple. I want to say this too. I thought this was a good comment. Uh, give your take on this, uh, Justin. I'm worried about pre-snap penalties. I would love to see us, us play ourselves well. Basically, I can see there being pre-step penalties. This is an early season game where you expect those. Um, you know, what do you, what are you looking for as it relates to that? Is part of this process what we want to see a clean game, more or less? I mean, that that's always the goal: clean game, win the turnover battle, uh, win win time of possession. I believe it's what seventy five percent of the time you win the game when you do those two things. Pre-snap penalties happen with, with inexperience, and there's some inexperience on offense. And so don't be surprised to see a few of these linemen jumping a little early. Don't be surprised, uh, you know, to see the, you know, the, uh, maybe two guys motion at once when they're, when they were calling in a, 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 you know, they're changing the route and, you know, they get flagged for that. And so it, it's tough to quantify that, Bobby, but I will say anytime there's inexperience, there's going to be, some some boner penalties it's just kind of how it goes and so and especially when you have 
essentially four freshman offensive linemen that are in the rotation right now that are going to be playing tomorrow. Uh, you have to take your lumps. And part of that is going to be, you know, Kelvin Banks is going to maul some guys. He's also probably going to grab one of them's jersey when they get past him off the edge and, and they're trying to sack yours. That's part of it. You know, Cole Hudson's going to maul some guys. He's so eager to hit somebody, he may jump a half a second early. That's just Cole. Cole's ready to, you know, crack skulls. That's how these guys are. And so with inexperience comes those type of penalties. And so, yeah, you'd love a clean game. You'd, you'd love that video session on Sunday morning to, to, to be nice and pleasant. But this is the game to get that worked out. This is the game to learn from those little little details that, that do go wrong at times. And so just the inexperience alone means you're probably going to see a few of those. Uh, Ian, I got a question coming for Hugh uh, that's more technical. Uh, first, I want to remind folks that uh, tomorrow night after the game, uh, Rod Babers and myself will be hosting a, a live post-game show uh, talking about uh, the Longhorns and how they did. Uh, Rod is a unique voice uh, for Texas Longhorn football, uh, both experienced, uh, played for the Longhorns, uh, all-conference uh, selection, as well as a couple of years in the NFL for him. Uh, and uh, just an enjoyable guy uh, to listen to and talk to about uh, Texas football. Uh, he and I will be together almost immediately after the game here on on Texas football. Um, Ian, hey, I want to ask you this real quick, Bobby. Real quick, Do you, has 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 Babers told you what Dwayne Aquina nicknamed him in college? No. Ask him tomorrow night after the game. Well, ask I know what, what he. I know what, what Rod was nicknamed in high school. So maybe that I don't carried know what he's over. in college. Maybe that carried over, but th th that's a little tidbit that you can ask Rod about. And, and, and I love that Rod Babers is part of this team now, Bobby. That's an outstanding get, and everybody likes what Rod says because he's a great personality and he knows exactly what he's talking about. Yeah, I agree. All right, Ian, your question here. How much, because it's, it's more X's and O's, how much single high uh, safety do we play versus two deep safety? I right now I'm guessing that it's going to be like 60 40 with 60 percent and too high. I think they want to use single high as a change up, um, and also probably in a lot of their blitzes. But uh, they've showed some two high blitzes as well, and I think they have a greater diversity of uh, coverages in two high. So I think they want to be able to, I think they want to be able to stay to, to show two high before the snap. And then rotate to single high, you know, depending on the game, 30 to 45% of the time. Um, keep quarterbacks guessing and not be able to just drop back and know without even looking where to, where to throw the ball. That's kind of that's kind of the goal there is to avoid quarterbacks having those really easy pre-snap reads where everybody's ooing and aahing over their arm, you know, and then not so much if they don't have that easy mechanical drop. Um, so... Yeah, that would be my guess based on what I've seen. They have too much diversity of too high coverages to not play pretty heavily in that. But uh, there will be a significant amount of single high as well. We talked a little bit. Uh, Ian, I want to keep you on here and, and ask you another question. Um, I watched the Oklahoma State game uh, last night. You and I, all of us were texting about that game as well as the West Virginia Pitt game last night. Uh, I ended up turning it over into that to uh, watch uh, – the Penn State, Penn State Purdue game. Yeah. I, 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 let me ask you this about the Oklahoma State defense, because they were significantly different than a year ago. 
Um, they looked leaky, I guess is the best word to put it, right? And it looked like it was coming more from the linebackers than the DBs because Malcolm Rodriguez, I mean, he may have not been uh, an NFL high-round draft pick. Boy, was he – given one, one game into this season – he sure looks like he was the glue of that defense. Yeah, in particular, I was chatting with my buddy Adam Lunt. Y'all can find him on Twitter. Really knowledgeable Oklahoma State fan. And he was talking about uh, how the Brock Martin, their defensive, their edge guy, really was free to kind of play loose last year and just kind of attack linemen and, and seize advantages where he found them. And then Malcolm Rodriguez would be behind him and he'd just make him right. So Brock Martin's just turning loose. If I, if I can win inside, I'll just go inside. Rodriguez will figure it out. And uh, Xavier Benson, the new weak side linebacker playing behind him, he played outside linebacker more in the, in the Juco level, less of an inside backer role. They got a lot going on. His head was swimming a little bit, it looked, last night in that game. And uh, that, that was uh, – they had – I mean, they had a bunch of things go wrong, give up 44 points to Central Michigan. But that's one that stood out. I think that stood out to, to everyone. And that extra tidbit about Brock Martin's uh, place in it from Lunt, I thought was pretty illuminating of just like, you know, you cannot, some players are, re- are really worth their weight in gold. They can really clean up things and, and make a lot of things look good that will not look good if, if they're not around, you know. Um, Texas is that guys like that, right? Michael Huff, Earl Thomas, Derek Johnson, right? And, yep. Hey, uh, by the way, by the way, uh, TCU goes to Colorado tonight. That's going to be one ooh. we're watching, right? Uh, so yeah. be aware of that. Um, I, Justin, did you watch? I know Ian watched yeah. a lot of the West Virginia game. Did you watch the West Virginia game? Yeah, I, thought, I got a little bit. I, I got a little bit of all of it. West Virginia, Oklahoma State. I watched Oklahoma State with a vested interest in Xavier Benson because I've known him for years. And that guy, and Ian's right. Like he was just missing assignments. He was. He wasn't missing. He was missing gap control. He'd be two steps to the wrong to the left or two steps to the right. And that's all it takes to get beat and burned. And so I think Benson will adjust. But man, Malcolm Rodriguez, that dude was the quintessential inside linebacker. And they're, they're going to miss him dearly. Uh, West Virginia, I, you know, I thought it was a good game. I, you know, JT Daniels was a guy about halfway through the game. I'm thinking, why didn't he work at Georgia? How did Stetson Bennett beat him? Because Daniels was obviously the big-time recruit, the five-star out of California, started as a true freshman at USC, I believe, in that 2018 season uh, when they came to Austin and lost. And so Daniels has always had arm talent. He's always been, you know, had that potential. And so I, I, I caught some of that one, obviously, Penn State, Purdue. But West Virginia, what showed me on West Virginia, they've got more athletes on defense now. Now, granted, they feel I feel like they're undersized at a lot of spots, especially on the D-line. But, but when you got a Seals brother that, I mean, it's, I, I feel like there's 10, there's been 10 years of those guys in, in Morgantown. They can, they can make up for that with that size, with their quickness and their agility and the, and the way they line up. But it, it looked like West Virginia's defense was just more athletic this year. And, and it looked like they were, you know, flying to the ball a little bit more. And then on the offensive side, I'm not scared of their running game, but buddy, I'm scared of Bryce Ford Wheaton. Because he's a guy that can shiver and shake and, and leave you. He can get a release quickly, and he has great hands. And so, to me, I'm always watching those Big 12 games uh, when Texas isn't playing just to get a better idea. And I'm sure Ian gathered a lot more than I did from those. But, yeah, last night I was drinking a ton of college football. Yeah, I, I tell you what, I'm I, uh, the, the thing that 
took that I took away from that is a JT Daniel Daniels looked like he was comfortable in that offense, uh, which, you know, he, he may be a guy that needs the lower level of defense as opposed to what he may see every week in the sec where he gets overwhelmed. Right. And starts pressing and starts throwing interceptions. Um, the other thing that I took away from that was uh, I think that West Virginia has a good pass rush. Um, and so I feel like they're going to be difficult in that respect across the conference uh, because they, they really were able to get home a lot with a three-man rush against Pitt. Pitt just had to sit there and run the ball and stick with it. Uh, and I think uh, Texas and other teams that play West, West Virginia are going to have to do the same. Um, I want to mention again uh, that uh, Ian and Justin are with us from InsideTexas.com. Please visit us at InsideTexas.com. we got about 10 more minutes here. Uh, that I want to get through, and I want to I want to add some more. Uh, some of y'all take some more of y'all's questions um, and talk about this with with folks. Um, this this is a question that we talked a little bit about with at, at the edge. Um, and Justin, I want to get your take on it because I know you you have sources uh, inside the team. You think that uh, Ethan Burke gets ends up getting more playing time than Justin Justice Finkley in Week One? You know, I didn't think that. I would have said Finkley from the start until that open practice. And in that open practice, Ethan Burke showed us something. I know everybody inside Texas, they were there. He, he, he has some natural ability. He has some, I mean, that, I don't know if it's from, from wielding that lacrosse stick or what, but he can bend the arc. He can, he can get around that edge pretty, pretty naturally. And that's something this defense sorely needs. And so if you'd asked me this a month ago, I would have told you Justice Finkley because he had done a tremendous job coming in early, had, had really made his mark with the older players, earned that respect from the staff, had done a lot of positives. And Finkley's a very focused, hardworking individual who's going to be successful at whatever he does in life. So before then, I would have said Finkley. And then you see Burke and you just you just think, OK, that looks really good at what, six, five and a half, six, six, almost six, six. Uh, he, he looked tremendous. And so now my answer changes a little bit. I, I think you're going to see Burke a little bit more than you will Finkley, depending on the outcome and depending on, you know, just how much uh, he, he he makes a difference when he's on the field. Yeah. Um, hey, I, I want to say thanks to Manuel Posada. That's really nice of you guys uh, to help us. Uh, Justin and, and Ian and myself uh, really try to try to put our heart and soul into these videos. Uh, as well as the Inside Texas site. Uh, and so thank you all for, for helping us out. Um, you know, Ian, you, you look at that group um, of Texas uh, players on the offensive line. Is there any, anything or any group in particular or guy in particular that you're most anxious to see or what they do this weekend? I mean, I want to see Kelvin Banks. I don't know if he's going to be tested particularly well on the edge, you know, I don't, he may have faced a couple guys in high school like Malik Silla going to A&M that are, that are better than anyone ULM has. But I kind of want to see him get some push in the run game. Ever since uh, ever since we saw that clip of him just uh, burying Vernon Broaden in that screaming, I've been, I've been really eager to see what that looks like in games. You know, I want to see if he can, uh, if he can open some cutbacks on inside zone and just, and just plow some people. Uh, so I'll be looking for that. Probably Cole Hudson, um, like I've said, if I'm ULM, I'm going to throw every exotic blitz I have in the book. I don't care if I'm even that sound behind it. I just want to see 
how this line and this quarterback respond. And uh, so how does Cole Hudson do, you know, against stunts? How does he do when the, against a delayed blitz, you know, an edge coming around looking for a crease to run through. Um, so those are the things I'd be looking for, I think, is is Hudson's Hudson's pass protection inside and then and then uh, Kellen Banks run blocking outside. You want to see a road grader is what you want. You want to see one of those blocks where they, that you can put on the wall, right? And, yeah. and watch and rewind. Hey, Justin, what, what are you looking for from the OL? Because I think everybody – we're all, we've all talked about the quarterbacks, right? I mean, everybody and everybody's going to see it. A lot of us will also be watching the O line. What are you looking for there? I'm looking for we're, I'm looking forward to what the second line looks like when they rotate in those second guys. You know, if if it's going to be Logan Parr at center or Connor Robertson at center, or if they put Devon Campbell at right guard and they slide Cole Hudson in at center. You know, there's so many possibilities. I want to see what Cam Williams looks like against a division one college defensive end and edge because I, I i think the the size mismatch is going to be humorous in some ways and and i just want to see how good he is because guys i honestly i thought he was going to be more of a developmental guy i thought he was going to be more that was going to take a little bit of time to get adjusted to the speed of the game and and understanding the playbook but sources are telling me this guy's getting it he gets it down and, and don't forget cam williams told us uh, in the spring when he came down for a visit in early April, he was mad at himself that he didn't enroll early because he looked at that line and thought, I can come in here and play immediately. I, I'm upset that I'm not here yet. So I am wanting to see what Cam Williams looks like. If that guy looks as good as he did his senior year in high school, when, when he became you know more slimmed down, when he when he developed a kick step, when he really just put his put the whole package together. Man, the O-line is probably the thing I'm the most excited about. And, and most people are going to say Quinn Ewers, obviously, and Bijan, and I get that. But this team's only going to be as good as that offensive line. And if those young guys are coming along and taking jobs, snapping snapping necks and cashing checks, hey, these th that's going to be the group that you really build on the year before the year. And so I, I'm looking forward to all those guys, especially when they start rotating in some of the younger ones. Yep. Um, all right. Uh, later today, Ian uh, will have a breakdown with Tommy Yarsh on things to look for, specific things he's looking for uh, in the ULM game. Hope you guys are able to catch that video here. He also wrote about it on Inside Texas, uh, a little bit more in detail there. Uh, also, uh, there'll be a Saturday conversation in the morning uh, with myself and J.D. Paquel, on three national analyst, uh, is going to join me. We're going to talk some of the pregame, uh, some of the big games of the weekend uh, that that should be fun. And then tomorrow night, uh, Rod Babers and I, after the game, after the Longhorns hopefully beat ULM, uh, Rod and I will be getting on and talking about the, the game, what we thought. Uh, so please join us there. Uh, before I let you go, I want to say thank you not only to Ian and Justin, but also to our newest sponsor, Andy Ludicky at MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're looking to look uh, looking to leave the corporate rat race, or maybe looking to diversify your asset per portfolio and increase personal cash flow. Or if you just want more personal freedom, give Andy Ludicky of MyPerfectFranchise.net a call. Andy specializes in placing you with franchises that match your strengths and interests. Call or email Andy today. Ian, uh, Joe, I appreciate you. Or, uh, Ian and Justin, sorry. Uh, I appreciate you guys today. Uh, Justin, good luck. Uh, out in uh, Longview uh, to see uh, them and Marshall uh, tie up tonight. 
Uh, for those guys and myself, this has been On Texas Football. Thank you.